Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. The Bible says, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the same which he spake unto them. Father, for the next few moments this evening or this morning, I pray that you would just use me as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us the ears that we need to hear your voice in this word today. Give us the spiritual eyes that we need to see this path that you lay out before us. And give us the God, the wisdom, Lord, that we need to walk in that path. And we thank you and we praise you for it. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The title to the message today is, He Came to Die. Turn with me to John 4. John 4. Verse 34 says, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now turn with me to Luke 12. Luke chapter 12 and verse 50. Go to 49 with me. I am come to send fire on the earth. I want you to hear that today. I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? He was saying here, the fire I bring is a new fire. It's not the same old nonsense that the world's been hearing calling it fire. That ain't fire. The churches, what the churches are preaching today, honey, that ain't fire. What I'm preaching today, it's fire. What I'm going to be preaching today, honey, this is the fire right here. That other nonsense out there, that ain't the fire. He said, what do I need to be here for if what they're already hearing is sufficient enough? It ain't sufficient enough. Therefore, I'm in Plantersville, Texas today. Therefore, you're sitting in this church today, praise God, because what you had before you got here was not the fire. Listen to what he said next. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished. Does everybody understand that? Somebody help me out right there. What's that? Yes. Wasn't just the dying. See, gotta, when you go to thinking about the life of Jesus, you got to get your mind off of just Him dying on the cross. That was the end result. That was the least of it. You gotta, you gotta understand. You gotta, you gotta really look into what the whole thing, what is all this about? What was Jesus' life all about? We're gonna cover a broad spectrum of things today. A lot of them very sharp. But I want you to understand, as I was watching this video the other night, we was all watching this, the Lord was talking to me through that whole video and showing me some things that I never really focused upon before. And the Lord has been bringing to me since then, get my people ready. Get my people ready. I sent you not with a message of peace. You have a message that is a sword. Use the sword. Warn my people from me. Warn them from me. Church, it's time 
to let go of this world. Or let go of God. One or the other. When we see Calvary, when we see Easter, this is what everybody focuses on right here. He is risen. He is risen and He is alive forevermore. Yes, we know that. But what about what happened in that movie the other night? wonder how many people are thinking about that or even considering that. Do you think the world that comes to church, and there's a whole lot of people that come to church on this one day a year, maybe two days a year, Christmas and this, so they can still claim that they have a relationship with Jesus and they've never even met Him. They don't know who He is. They have no idea who He is. I'm happy. Oh, I'm happy that He's alive. But that's not what I'm the happiest about. I'm the happiest that He died. I'm the happiest that they killed Him. Because that's where the blood came from that gave me a a chance. That's where the blood came from that could cure my disease. That's where the blood came from that could straighten this mess out right here. Without that, see, he was always alive. You can't kill a spirit. God didn't die at Calvary. The spirit that was in him did not die. The flesh died. So God always existed. But if He did not manifest Himself in that flesh, robe Himself in that flesh and kill that flesh, and the blood from that flesh being sinless became the for once and for all atonement for our sin, then we couldn't be here. So it was not His, it was not His being alive that saves us. It's the fact that He died. It's the blood He shed. Let me tell you something. It's the things He suffered and endured that will allow you to walk streets of gold one day. It ain't the fact that He's alive forevermore. So the Lord kind of took me in a couple different directions here today. But, strangely enough, still the same Scriptures. So what is all this about? Living or dying? Gain or giving? Finding or losing? What's the most important? Living or dying? What? Nope. Dying's the most important part. Let me give you an example. To the world, living's the most important part. But to the people of God, dying is the most important. John twelve twenty four. get it for me. What's more important? The dying. What's more important? Gain or giving? Brother Quick, Luke 6, 38. See that? What's more important? Giving or gaining? Folks, it's the law of the harvest. Until you give, you cannot receive. Everybody wants some from Jesus... But they're not willing to give to Jesus. And though I preach that a lot, if you remember what I talked about Thursday after the service, after the movie that we watched, the Lord was 
speaking to me and was heavy upon me that night about this. I see. I see those things that my people hold on to. I see those things that they think I see not. I see those things that are holding my people back. Yet they refuse to let them go. God is looking at every aspect of your life every aspect of your mind, everything that you think, everything that you purpose, everything that you do. God is saying to this world in these last days, let my people go. And it is up to us to lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience this race, this race right here. Looking unto Jesus as the author and finisher of what we believe, of our faith. What is more important, finding or losing? Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Wherefore, in verse 32... Wherefore, whosoever, uh, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before, before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Okay, so let's take a look at that just little short part right there before we go further, because we're going further in there than that. What does that mean? Is that talking about just going out there and saying, Hey, I believe. I believe in Jesus. And do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in Christ? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the Lord? How many people you think you'd hear yes from? Everybody on this earth. That ain't what it's talking about. It ain't talking about confessing Him in that way. That ain't confessing Jesus. What's it talking about? Speak up. Who, who was that speaking? What? Nope, not, just, not necessarily what we do. I mean, it is what we do. But what I mean there, and it is what we do, because we know we're supposed to let our light so shine. Let me drop a thought in your minds. Okay, but let me let me let me let me drop a thought in your mind. How many of how many people out there would 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 believe you if you just came and said, "Oh, I believe in Jesus." Do you believe he died for your sins and do you believe he do you believe he did this and did that? Do you believe it uh, you believe he went to the cross? Do you believe he got he came out of the tomb? Do you believe he died? Do you believe he's the only begotten son of the Father? Do you believe in Jesus? All those things is that is that declaring him before men? Is that what he's talking about? Let me drop a thought in your mind. Let me tell you exactly what he's talking about. How many of you think I preach pretty hard? How many of you think I preach pretty hard? Let me tell you, there ain't no other way to preach. None. Because any other way is blasphemy. 
Any other way of preaching is blasphemy. Any other way of preaching is against the Word of God. There's only one way to preach it. It's the way I preach it. It's the only way. Because there is no shadow of turning in God, nor His Word. There is only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism. And there's only one way to preach it. It's a sword! Let me tell you something. The Bible's talking about that specifically right there. If you confess it like I confess it across this pulpit, I know Jesus. This is who He is. This is what He said. This is what He meant. This is what He expects. This is what He's going to do when He comes back. Oh, hallelujah. That's confessing Him before men. And God... Praise God knows my name. Ha! Oh, hallelujah. The Lord knows my name. It is written in His book. Because I have not spared to confess Him before men. I wield this sword and I know what it is and I know how to use it. So if that's confessing Him before men, what does it mean when He said, But whosoever shall deny Me before men, him will I also deny before My Father, which is in heaven. What does that mean? That means if you come preaching any other thing than I'm preaching... Let you be accursed. That's what the Bible says. Galatians 1, 8, and 9. Sister Camacho, read it for me. I know you mentioned it the other night. We never did get around to reading that Scripture. But Galatians 1, 8, and 9 is so important that Paul, the greatest apostle that ever lived, wrote it twice. Praise God. Just in case you missed it the first time. Come on, sister. Yes. Again. Yes. Whosoever shall deny me. In other words, let me tell you some folks. I know that it's crossed probably some of your minds a time or two, but I'm here to correct you on that today. If it's crossed your mind that you ought to be a little softer for me and you ought to take the same message I preach and smooth the edges out a little bit and maybe you need to take it to somebody that your buddies or pals or friends and maybe you need to smooth the edges out a little bit. Honey, don't help me out. You don't need to help me out none. I'm meant for the edges to be sharp. Amen. I'm meant for them to cut you out of your socks. I'm meant for them to cut that world off of you and I don't mean it no other way. And if you got to smooth talk somebody to get them in the house, I don't want them in the house. Jesus made it a sword. Woo! She Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. Woo! Shakamalabahaya. Oh, glory, glory, glory! Praise God. My God did not come and bear the sword in vain, and neither does His people. I do not bear this sword in vain. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Hallelujah. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost today. If I go today, y'all just put me out here under the cross. Woo! Listen to what he said. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I come to set a man at variance against his father. I came for that. That's what Jesus said. That's the reason I came. Can you imagine what God is thinking today with these Mickey Mouse nicety preachers that are spewing that 
garbage over the pulpit, that sweet, smooth, lovey, lovey garbage. Can you imagine how that makes him feel? Who do you think you are that you know a better way than God that created you? Who in the world do you think you are that you can educate yourself beyond the wisdom of God? What is greater, the Creator or the creation? God has no tolerance for those that change the Word of God. And there will be no mercy come Judgment Day. He did not come to bring peace. He came to, he didn't come to send peace. He came to send a sword. He came to send a sword. What does he mean by sin, a sword? He said, you shall hear the word of my mouth and warn my people from me. I am sent from the king. And the message from the king is sent to his people. And you are sent into the world to preach the gospel. You are not sent out there to change it. Nor am I sent to this pulpit to change it. I don't. What goes out from this pulpit, you need to be less concerned about who you're trying to reach with it and more concerned with how you're trying to reach them with it. Praise God, what it is you're trying to reach them with. Because it ain't up to you who comes and who don't. That's far beyond your calling. It's far beyond my calling. My job is to preach it like he wrote it, and you can take it or you can leave it. If you don't take it, honey, you're going to leave it because you can't stay here. Many years I spent trying to reach a lost and dying world out there that don't no more want that, would rather die and go to hell than follow what I'm preaching. And I have watched them come into this church, listen, and I know they understood it, walk out of here and spit in the face of God and spit in the face of the pastor. I'm not okay with that. Let me tell you something else. God ain't okay with it either. Let's go further. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father. Hear that. This ain't on your buddies and pals. This is your family. He said, I am come to make a problem between you and your father. I'm co- what does that mean? What does that mean? Come on, somebody, help me out. What does that mean? Now, you're going to have to go a lot deeper than that. And who? In that particular word right there, what does it mean? Okay, you say your father, your dad. How many of you love your dad? But you know what? You know what God said right here? He said, I don't care how much you love your daddy. You honor your father and your mother until it comes between me and him. And that's when you cut him off at the legs and say, Adios. Adios, amigo. Later. Get out. That's what God meant. I don't care how you want to slice it. That's exactly what the Word says, and that's exactly what the Word means. He said, I came to set a man at variance against his father. And the daughter against her mother. And the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes or enemies shall be they of his own household. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it don't really mean that. 
Let me take it deeper than that. Jesus is saying right here, let the dead bury their dead. You follow me. Lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more? Or do you love your earthly people more? Well, Lord, yes, I love thee. Then feed my sheep. My sheep. My sheep. What are you worried about the world for? Feed my sheep. I got sheep out there. Feed my sheep. Once they show you they're not my sheep, quit giving my food to these strange sheep. What are you doing feeding these stray dogs? Jesus feeds the sheep of His pasture. Jesus did not say, go out into all the world and throw my precious pearls out before all these swine. He didn't go to Calvary for the world. He went to Calvary for His people. It's only available to those who will lay down their lives just as He did. He came and gave us example that we should follow His steps. But let me tell you, there ain't no room for compromise in this. Ain't no room for compromise. This ain't a message against His people. This is a message for His people. God is coming back for His people. And I'm going to tell you right now, you better watch that devil. You better watch that devil. If you think he ain't smooth as glass, buddy, he's slick. He's been watching you. He knows how to trip you up. He knows the things that move you to the right and the left. He knows the things that will cause you to trip, fall all over yourself. He knows how to trip you up. He knows how to destroy you. He knows how to do it with sugar and honey. He knows how to do it with sweetness. And make you love it. But I want you to clearly understand something this morning. The word comes from this pulpit. There is no straying. This word is right. And that means every other thing that might come against it in any direction is wrong. But you better watch that little voice sometimes you hear in your head saying, Hath God said? Hath God said? Did He really mean that? Well, that's not how He meant it. That's the same phrase. I don't believe you have to do all that. Put in different words. Let's go further. God has really been putting this on my heart. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. What does that mean? All those answers are good. But let me drop a thought in your mind. not just speaking about sons and daughters here. It's speaking about people and things in general as well. This is just the extremity of it. God is saying so much so that even your son or your daughter... How much more than people that are not your sons or daughters, but are of the world? And if you love them more than you love the sharpness of my word, then you are not 
worthy of me. I, I'm here to tell you today, church, that devil is a liar. That devil is a thief. And he will smooth talk you straight into hell if you ain't careful. Under the auspice of love. Under the auspice of care. What's the greatest things? Love. Yes. <laughs> Love's the greatest thing, all right. But it ain't the kind of love that this world calls love, I can tell you that. What's the first sign of love? What shows God you love Him? If you obey Him, that's the sign of love. If you keep His Word, that's His commandments. That's what God says is love. It ain't just reaching out to your fellow man and all that kind of stuff. That ain't love. Love is obedience to the Lord no matter what. You know what love, you know what tells you, you know what tells the Lord you love Him? That no matter what He says, you're going to blindly follow Him. You don't need no great explanation. Amen. You're just going to do what God said do because He's God and you're not. Amen. It don't matter whether or not you understand it. You just follow it, praise God, because it's what He said to do. Praise God. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than, is not worthy of me. More than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. But he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. What does that mean? Everybody talks about... Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lived didn't just happen. That don't just happen. What happened to Jesus, that don't just happen. That was a forced issue. As he told, as he told Pilate, yeah, you're not doing nothing to me. You ain't got a dog in this hunt. I came for this. That's why this is happening. He had to endure it. Let me ask you a question today. The people that left this church, there's been quite a few, hasn't it? I want to ask you a question about the people that have left this church. Everybody ready? Are they of the world? Or are they of God? Are you sure? Are they of the world or are they of God? That's right. They cannot be both. You're exactly right. So are they of the world or are they of God? I want you to be settled with that question before I go to the next one. Settle it in your mind, the answer to that question. If there's any other answer than the world, I want to know about it right now. Is everybody 100% certain that that's your final answer? They are of the world. Brother Edward, get me James 4.4. 4. I want to ask you a question. When you need something, who do you turn to? 
Do you turn to the world or do you turn to the people of God? Who's got your back? Would that be the people of God or people of the world? What signifies that they're the people of God? Because they claim to know Jesus? Because they go to a so-called church? Because of something that they once had but have no more? Did not the Bible say that when a righteous man turneth from his righteousness and do that which is evil or wicked, his righteousness shall not be remembered, but for his wickedness shall he die. Once saved, always saved. Doesn't work, does it? I want you to always be mindful of this, church. You're not called. You're not called just to belong. You're called to participate. You're not called to be a believer. You're called to be a fighter. This is something you must not only hold on to, but fight for with every fiber in your being. We are called and chosen to be soldiers. We are called to be soldiers. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. We're all called to be soldiers. But there's few that are called that are chosen. Why? Because they can't make it through the boot camp. Honey, if you can't make it through the boot camp, get the heck out of my military. I don't want you on my side fighting. If you're too scared and you're too weak to make it through boot camp, if you can't take a look, if you got to have a timeout card, honey, here's the whole deck. Take it with you. We don't need timeout cards in this army. They don't. Timeouts in God's army. The people that have come in this church, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me good today. And God is my witness. I poured my heart out to the people that have come into this church. I gave myself to them. I poured myself out for them. I gave myself. I could not have given any more to them than I gave to them. But I want to tell you, it was still not enough. God said in His Word, He said, let us consider. He said, what more could have been done? What more could have been done in my house that has not been done? God poured Himself out in a preacher. And I poured myself out with His Word. And they still got up and walked away. And they spit in my face when they did it. And they spit in the face of God when they did it. I'm not okay with that. And you shouldn't be okay with it either. Period! Don't you mess with my king. I'm not here to play. Don't you mess with my king. Don't you mess with his word. And don't you mess with my flock. Was Jesus popular? Was he popular? <laughs> you know what that's called? That's called... Momentary popularity. Brother Quick, give me John chapter 6. 64 through 68. Jesus was popular for a moment as long as He was giving them what they wanted. Uh, 6. 
uh, 60, 64 through 68. Go ahead, brother, when you get it. He knew. Listen to me for just a moment. He's not just talking about Judas here. I'm going to show you here in just a second with one word, they. But he knew. He knew who was for him, who's against him. Jesus knew everything He's going to do and everything you're doing and everything you're going to do, amen, before you even were born. God knows it. Come on. See, God gave you the opportunity and the ability to come to Him. Amen. He said, therefore, was it given to you. Go ahead. Have I said unto you? Go ahead. Many, okay, see that? Many of His disciples, many of His disciples, they were His disciples. Did you catch that? They weren't just happenstance. They weren't just people just happened by. They were His disciples. He was discipling these people. Okay, but they left. Come on, go ahead. Then Jesus said to the last twelve, the final ones, you know, kind of like this building right here. Kind of like everybody sitting in this building right here. What did He say? You going too? You leaving too, Sister Tara? Brother Edward, you leaving too? Brother Quick, you leaving too? Sister Quick, you leaving too? Sister Maribel? Huh? Brother Daniels, you leaving too? Come on, what did He say? You know, whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? Come on. Oh, my, my, my. Woo! Yashia, la, ma, ha, ha. Oh, yeah, yeah, ha. Thou hast the words of it. That's what's kept you here. That's what keeps you coming back. You can't deny it. I may not be a smooth, a smooth talker, honey, but what I got, you know it's right. You know it's right. Come on. Yep. Oh, we believe and are sure. Amen. Come on. There you are, right there. That's 68, isn't it? Thank you. Okay. See? What keeps you coming back? You know. You know what keeps you coming back. You know this Word is right. You know it's right. It may cut you, and you may leave today with a big gash in your side. You may leave sometime with a gash on your head. You may leave sometime with broken feet. You may leave some time with bruised knees. But I'm going to tell you, what brings you back is you know. I've got the Word of life in that pulpit. And I have the anointing of God on my head. And I'm not going to turn to the right nor the left. I've been the same since you met me. I'm going to be the same, praise God, when I go out of here. Hallelujah. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. Hallelujah. Oh, my Lord. Hallelujah. Who do we turn to? Who do you turn to? Let me tell you something. I may be your pastor. I may be your pastor, but I'm also your brother. I may be your pastor, but I'm also your friend. And I may be your pastor, but I'm going to tell you, i got your back, and I've got your front. I've got your side. Praise God. And when you need somebody, you need look no further. Amen. In this church, and this pulpit, praise God, and that Word, and the people of that book. Praise God. Hallelujah. I will not forsake the people of God. I will not forsake the flock of God. And my God will never forsake His people. He will never forsake His people. But the people that are not His people, but the people that have turned from Him and walked away from Him, they are the world. And we are not. We are not to love the world. We are not to fellowship with this world. 
who did Jesus turn to? First, he found out who was worthy. How? By preaching the truth. Those that received him and received his word, they were the ones that were worthy. Church, what are we looking for? Are we looking for somebody to pet on us? Or we're looking on somebody to follow us around? Looking for somebody to talk good about us? Pump us up, make us feel great? Brother Edward, give me Luke 6.26. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. So did their fathers, or so did the people just like them, to the false prophets. I can think of one right offhand this morning. His name's Joel Osteen. Poor Joel, nothing. He's a flipping abomination. He's abomination is what he is. Woe unto him. Woe unto him. Woe unto him. How dare you come and tell the world that my God is a liar? How dare you come and stand in a pulpit and tell the people of this world that the one that created them is stupid and has no authority in this world? But let me tell you something. That's a den of iniquity. That is a cesspool of hell. And it's filled with hell today. Their fathers of all these people that are living for the Satan today. It's not just talking about their physical earthly fathers. It means those that brought forth those same spirits today. They spoke well of the false prophets before. All the way since false prophets were spoken well of. Till now, that's just the fathers spawning more children of the same devil. Every seed bringeth forth after its own kind. The doctors of theology that taught Joel Osteen, who is now a doctor of theology, that wasn't his earthly father. It was a doctor of theology. And that's his father because he's teaching what that man taught him to teach. But you make certain when you go out from this church and you're teaching, don't you stray from what I taught you. Because if you're going to stray from what I taught you, you need to take that sticker off your vehicle. Because the message comes forth from here needs to be just like it was wrote right there in that pulpit. Just like it was wrote and just like it was preached right there because that's how God meant it to be. You didn't come here because of any smooth edges. You came here because of the sharpness of this sword. Never forget that. If there's ever a time to keep it sharp, it's right now. There is no time to play footsie with the world. There is no time to negotiate. God does, God does not negotiate, nor does He compromise. And this is no time for compromise. The Bible tells us to beware. <laughs> Woe unto them. You better be careful when all men speak well of you. What you need and what you want sometimes are completely two different things. You know why I don't really want people speaking well of me? 
out there? What's that? Let's take a look. Matthew 10, 39 says, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake, the same shall find it. I want you to look at verse 40 with me. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Now, I don't want you to get lost in translation right there. Brother Edward, go to John thirteen twenty. Brother Quick. Go to John twelve forty eight. And then I'm going to finish up. And well not finish the whole message, but I'm going to finish this that right there. In a uh, another place. Brother Edward, when you're ready. Okay, now hold on. Now remember what we just heard. Remember what we just heard. Listen carefully. See, you say, well, oh, if anybody receiveth me, or if anybody receiveth you. Now listen, you got to be careful, because he said, he that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. But don't you misunderstand. That don't mean just everybody receive you. Dear God, that would be the entire world could receive some of you. Some of you is popular. I'm not. I don't care about being popular. But let me tell you something. Just because the world receives you don't mean they're receiving God. Here's the here's the nut in the nutshell. It just ain't no different than somebody saying they love God and the Lord saying, He that hath my word and, and keepeth my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Just exactly what this Scripture here is talking about. Come on. Come on. Yep. Uh-huh. He that receiveth whomsoever I send. Come on. Yep. Okay, so now, now, now how do we know that it's Jesus that sent you? The Bible says, try the spirits, see if they be of God. Isn't that what it said? How do you try the spirits? How do you try the spirit? Says quick. With the Word of God. How do you try it with the Word of God? Be quiet a minute. Says quick. How do you, if somebody, okay, so how do you try the Spirit to see if it's of God? In other words, if somebody comes to you, and he said, if you, whosoever receiveth, he that I sent, the same receiveth me. How do you know who was sent to you was sent from God? But I mean, but I'm asking, you're, you're talking about you being the one sent, but I'm saying if somebody comes to you, somebody comes to you, how do you know they're sent from God? How do you know I'm from God? Surely you believe I'm from God. I hope so. It's coming out of that Bible, right? How do you, how do you, how do you know? The Bible says try the Spirit and see if they be of God. Listen, drop a thought in your mind right here. This right here is what you're going to be hearing, nothing else. You're not going to be hearing theory. You're not going to be hearing those smooth, rounded edges. You're going to be hearing straight sword. You're going to be hearing straight Word of God. And you're going to know that man's a God. Now, you know what? One of the things that Brother Quick always said about me, one of the things he noticed, he just happened to catch me today, that I was actually working. Had some work going on, had some things to be done. Praise God. But you know what? He came in here and I had dirty fingernails, he said. Amen. But that was one of the things that said, you know what? This guy here might be a God right here. Amen. Because he's not got a manicure. He ain't got no manicure pedicure. He ain't got no uh, 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 sweet, smooth edges about him. He ain't no, he ain't no high polish. Ain't no high polish on this guy. Amen. He's down in the trenches. Uh, this guy's preaching on a bell of hay. Dear God. Well, let me tell you something, church. That's what the world needs. They don't need a patty cake. They need a beating. You better believe they need that sword. People are like, 
if they would not stay in this, which is what it's going to take to get them home, if they would leave this for anything or anybody, you can have them. I don't want them. I do not want them. (laughs) Because that's trouble. That's a cancer. I don't want no more cancer. Those people, let me ask you a question. You find somebody, you find somebody that's a woman beater, they're always going to be a woman beater. Now that don't mean God can't come change that. I mean, God can't help them change that. But that's a hard thing to break right there. Once a man lets that Let's that boundary be crossed. Yep. As long as a man can hold himself back from that. That don't mean there ain't been times in my life when I was younger. Not with this one. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things that if somebody will, will spit in the face of God and walk away when God has shown himself mighty in their life, Jesus was not popular. You know, Jesus said, He said, Hey, He came, the Bible says He came and left this example that we should walk in His steps, that we should walk as He walked. Isn't that what He said? Isn't that what the Bible says? Jesus was not popular. You know what? That's why I'm not popular. Do you know that? Not because I'm not a likable guy, I used to be popular. I was very popular when I was young. I'm not popular anymore. But here's what Jesus says. Did you know not being popular is a sign that what you got is right? That's right. If you're popular... You better check yourself. I like that. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. I like that. I'm going to have to use that. Uh, okay, who had the next one? Brother Quick, uh, John, I think, 1248. Is that what you had? No, 48. Yes, sir, 1248. Okay, thank you. Is that it? That 48? Okay, so listen carefully to that. He said, hey, if they reject me, they reject my word. He said, hey, this is the same word's going to judge them. How in the world can you, can you round the edges off and all that kind of stuff and still expect to get somebody? This is what's going to judge them. Jesus is not going to round the edges to judge you. You're going to be judged with that sword. Unless... Unless, unless, what did you say? (laughs) Unless you judge yourself, you shall not be judged. There's nothing to be judged. If when you stand before God, you're holy and righteous and you're mighty and you're pure, praise God, and you're righteous, when you step in front of God, He's going to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What's a faithful servant? A faithful servant is one that heard, one that followed, one that believed, one that followed His Word, did His Word, praise God. One that got busy, one that did not hesitate. One that dotted every I and crossed every T. One that took that sword and wielded it as the weapon that it is instead of just a little message book. It's not a novel. It, let me tell you, it's not nearly enough to know what that book means. How can I say that? 
you can know that book and know everything that it means. That is not nearly enough. As a matter of fact, that's worthless. Because if you don't do it, you're a bigger idiot than somebody that never knew a word of it. God is going to hold us accountable. Why is this word so sharp? Because this is a matter of heaven and hell. This is a matter of forever and forever. There are millions, if not billions, burning in hell right now. And they'll never get out. It will never end. And if they could come and preach to you right now, I guarantee you that pulpit would be in a blaze of fire. And I'm telling you, buddy, they would... Because they know now. Oh, they know now, buddy. They would be preaching the paint off these walls. And if you tried to walk out, they would grab you and slam you on that floor. And they would tell you, wake up! Wake up! You don't want to come where I'm at. You don't want to be here. Wake up! The Bible says, if the trumpet give off a certain uncertain sound, how shall they know to make ready for the battle? Church, this is not no cakewalk. This is no time to get sweet. This is no time to get your feelings hurt. This is no time to let the devil come and sow discord. This is no time. There's no time left for that. We're soldiers. We're soldiers. I don't need somebody to be sweet to me. What would you prefer? Maybe you'd like to have it nice and sweet. Maybe you'd like to have somebody pet on you. But what you really need is somebody to sharpen you. You may like to have, but the Bible says, Iron sharpeneth iron. <laughs> Listen, I know some of you might like to think pretty highly of yourselves. I don't know. But I can tell you, there's none in this building and none that I have come across that are pure as the driven snow. That's exactly right. You'd already be in heaven. Well, let me tell you something, church. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron. There's a reason why that's in the book. You might want somebody... To pet on you. But that's not what we're here for. Maybe you want somebody to lift you up and encourage you and all those things, and that's fine, well, and good. But maybe what we really need is to be humble. How many of you know lots of, how many of you know people's got a lot of money in churches? I've heard a lot of Pentecostal churches that have millionaires in them. You know what? It doesn't matter how much money you got. If they've got more than you, they think they got a better walk with God. They do. Most of these churches out there, that's how they that's how they decide who has the best walk with God. You go to these mega churches and these multi million well that's multi millionaires are really just broke bums anymore. You gotta be a billionaire now. If you ain't got if you're not in the B club you're just a peon. You're like a, oh my gosh, what are you? Oh, oh my goodness, oh, don't touch me. Oh, don't touch me. You're just a multimillionaire. Oh my gosh, how many multis? Oh my gosh, no way. Oh, get away, get away. But you know what? The Bible warned us about that. The Bible said that there are many out there that 
that suppose that gain is godliness. The Bible says, from such withdraw thyself. Give me three minutes. From such withdraw thyself. Supposing that gain is godliness. Let me tell you something. Here's the measure. Holiness has nothing to do with your money. Riches, riches make themselves wings and fly away. One day you may have a pile of money, but let me tell you, that don't mean tomorrow you will. Never suppose that gain is a measure of your walk with God, because it's not. There's one measure of your walk with God, and that's how closely you're lined up with His Word. That's the measure of your walk with God. It does not matter whether you're in prison. It does not matter whether you're uh, in your grave. It does not matter where you're at. It does not matter whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley or anywhere in between. It has nothing to do with your walk with God. Paul was never rich. Financially, after he took on with Jesus, did he ever have money? Did in the New Testament, tell me somebody did. Anybody? No. When Paul was in the dungeon, was the rich people around there outside, were they closer to God than him? Were they even close? No. He was the poorest one around, but he had the most God of anyone alive on earth at that time. Now, what about the rich man? Brother Edward Luke, 18, verse 18 through 25, quickly. While he's going there, 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 6. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, yes. All right, now let me tell you something. That don't necessarily mean just rich in money. You can also be rich in friends. You can be rich in possessions. You can be rich in all kinds of things. But the Lord said, Thou one thing thou lackest. One thing thou lackest. He said, You need to let everything go that you're holding on to and follow me. One thing thou lackest. What was he telling that man? Yes, you did this good, that good, that good, this good, this good, that good. You've kept all that all your life, all the way from your youth. But there's one thing that you will not let go of. You better turn 